What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Mongols brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kev, Josh, Liz, Laura, Ellen, Justin, Steve. There's a lot of things on the Hounds fans' minds at the moment, and we're briefly going to look back on what was before talking about what could possibly be. So let's go. Laura Ellen miraculously appeared. The intro music was played. It's like you heard it and you just like, came running. <laughs> I wish that I wish that were the case, but she's well, lost Kevin. Down. He's here, but he's not here. No, no, he's just like looking at his microphone. So I don't think he's actually here. He'll probably jump back on. We'll get him. No big deal. Um, guys, what's going on? I feel like I haven't talked to everybody in like forever. This is this is great, Justin Laura Ellen. I don't. I've seen pictures, but I haven't actually like talked to you in person since you've been back in Brighton. What was that trip like? Yeah, that trip was amazing. I don't like I I have a completely new respect for Premier League soccer players and what they what their games look like on a regular basis. Um, we got a chance to go see Brighton Brentford at Brentford, and we were sitting ten rows, eight ten rows off the field, and. Um, yeah, it was just watching those guys, um, especially uh, Ivan was it Ivan Tony from Brentford, and then uh, Joel Veltman from Brighton. They just were going at it all game long, and uh, so now when I watch Premier League on TV and I go, "Oh, that was a soft foul." There's no such thing as a soft foul <laughs> in the Premier League. Yeah, I I I would agree, and I think I didn't fully appreciate just how. Like every single player is so solid. Like they are all tanks. Like they're just, you know, and, and just to see the two of them shoulder to shoulder the entire game, you know, is just anyway. So yeah, it was great. And Brighton is a wonderful city and town. And so, um, you know, if you need another reason to dislike Chelsea, it's for the love of Brighton. Um <laughs> Wow. So, <laughs> I, I, hey, I'm going to put it in there if I can. Uh, no, but uh, in an, yeah, I mean, but Brighton is just, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, we had a great time. So, yeah. Hey, Josh, yeah. thanks for sticking up for me when uh, Liz was uh, crapping on, on Chelsea. You said, hey, be mad at Chelsea, but don't be mad at Steve. Thanks. <laughs> What's up? Always here. Still love you. Laura Allen. Liz, what's, uh, what's new with you? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Uh, I'm in Thanksgiving prep mode. So Ooh, we, what does that mean? <laughs> so, uh, so back in the day, we both worked retail and once upon a time I was doing school full time and doing work. And so going home and like for Thanksgiving was not going to happen if we were going to go home for Christmas. So we started doing a Friendsgiving and it's, you know, developed and evolved and people who don't have a Thanksgiving to go to in our group. They come for, you know, starts around two, they come for lunch and then, you know, stay for the second course. People who do have family show up. Sometimes they bring booze or they bring dessert and, you know, they're there for whatever, a game in the evening and, you know, friendship time. Um, but because I'm the control freak that I am, um, I do the full spread and I have it timed it down to when everything starts and the next thing goes in and where everything is in the kitchen. Um and so I have 
gotten all the non-perishables already purchased and they're staged. And then Wednesday I will do the perishable purchases in the morning and stage things so that Thursday I can just start around 8 a.m. making a full feast. I laugh, but like I do the exact same thing at Christmas, so I can't really, <laughs> I can't blame you. When when you're planning for a bunch of people, you kind of have to do that. So, Josh, I saw you like smirking. Do you do you help Liz at all through this, or you just stay out of her way? I'm mostly stay out of the way. I'm my tradition has always been the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. I, like it's a weird thing that like is silly, stupid, but I still love watching it. So like. I'm usually like every commercial break coming in, like if there's any dishes that can be washed, I wash them and then get right out of the way again because I'm just going to be in the way if I'm in the kitchen. So, yeah. But he cleans every dish as I dirty it. So when I need that mixing cup or mixing bowl or whatever, it's always clean and everything's always ready. If I need him to grab something off of the stove, he grabs the hot stuff because <laughs> I don't know, I'm delicate. And so he's, it's really helpful not have to worry about those things. It's going to be weird this time though because we have the World Cup as well during mm -hmm. things so it's like okay like do i am i gonna watch the thanksgiving parade i don't know we'll find out <laughs> or i just have two tvs up we started watching well so growing up i always got into the macy's thanksgiving parade but as i've gotten older i'd watch it more ironically and i'm worried that i'm passing that on with my kids because every musical act that comes up i'm like who is this what's their name who is this clown listen to this music and we just like poke fun at everything about the parade um we, do, we like we have fun poking play. Yeah, it does make me slightly concerned now that I think about it. So maybe we'll do less of that this year. But you know, we'll see. Um, well, I guess you know. Welcome everybody. Um, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Hound stuff. So one of the things I want to get out of the way first. If you haven't been listening to Houndsy, go listen to Houndsy. They've done a great job of sort of wrapping up the season. Their most recent episode uh, touched on sort of all of the players that are on options, that are out of contract. They went through and sort of listed who they thought should be back and who shouldn't be back and that whole thing. So a lot of that legwork already done. They've done a great job. We have opinions, but at the same time, I don't want to rehash that entire thing. Instead, what I'd like to do here is I think that the Hounds as an organization is in an interesting spot. And so from a fan perspective, I'm just really interested in what is going through everybody's minds at this moment. So obviously the, the USL championship season is over. Uh, San Antonio has won. Louis did not win, so Louis did, Louis did not get another star on their crest. Um, but now basically it's all eyes pointing towards 2023. So at this moment... Are you in the mindset of your sort of lamenting or worrying about sort of what happened in 2022? Are you more excited about potentially what could happen in 2023? What exactly does that look like? Really just sort of what's going on in your head. So Kev, you've sort of been bouncing in out of this call. So while we have you, hopefully you stick around for the rest of it. <laughs> I'm going to start with you. Mentally, just where are you with this team, with this organization, what do you what are you thinking about at the moment? I think right now, um, generally, like my focus is on the next year, and it's informed by the previous year's like performance and and my mental state of how I saw the previous year turn out. So, I mean, but but minorly. So, like generally, I'd say like at the end of every season, 
80% of it is with fresh eyes and 20% of it is in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, okay, well, like what were the patterns that we saw last year? Who are the players that we expect to keep? You know, what did Bob show us, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so from that, the kind of baseline, look at this team with fresh eyes looking into the new year, it never leaves me um, excited just because it's just it, history shows us that like, well, I guess, except last year. Um, last year was a bit of an exception because so many players came back, but it, the, it seems like the baseline is generally speaking, a lot of players kind of shift in and shift out and you have to kind of learn the, you know, six or seven or eight new names in a starting 11 come the first game of the season. And so you kind of have to just sit on your hands and see. Um, and so a lot of it is hard for me to kind of, I don't know, wrap my hands around anything concrete in the off season. Um, outside of like basic club activities with like training facility, you know, progress and, and things like that. So, and the, the, the 20% that's informed from the previous year, I mean, it's, I, I think I've kind of mentioned as, as we wrapped up, I don't know, the playoffs, my, my mental state is more positive than it was negative going in. Um, Cause I thought we'd do a lot worse and they had really good playoff performances and it still shows there's a lot of belief and, and, bravery uh in the uh in the team and in the squad and the club um so yeah i mean it's i i never know what to think um hopefully the 80 percent of just kind of questioning starts to get a little bit more predictable with um you know club presidents hopefully sticking around for more than four years um you know and just more stability throughout the club um but it's it's still kind of early innings for that kind of stuff looking into 2023 so you touched on something, um, and hopefully you guys can we have sort of been flaking it out as well. I think it's the stream. Um, are you of the mindset that you'd prefer to see more of our players back next season? Or based on the results, do you think you'd prefer to see sort of a whole new crop and go again? Laura Ellen, I'll start with you. I was the wrong person to call in for that question because that's, <laughs> that's not where my train of thought was was going. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I well to to give you more time to think about that, maybe, right. and you can think of these as two. Like I, I'm so I'm thinking about them in two categories. One, if all of the names on the back of the jerseys were essentially question marks, like you could say, all right, on average, how much players would you like to return for like kind of a stability thing throughout the club and then how much are these crop of players would you want to return because <laughs> i think in my mind there's kind of different questions but I, you know so. yeah i mean i i think it's so funny because over the course of the season as i listen to mike uh constantly comparing what aston villa is doing with the river hounds it is also impossible for me not to kind of think about okay this is how brighton has kind of set up their structure and then think about that uh for the hounds as well and what's been what's been interesting about the evolution of brighton and something i actually uh I thought um, one of the the stateside seagulls, the U.S. Uh, Brighton supporters group, brought up a couple of weeks ago is thinking about five years ago where we were and kind of what kind of game we were playing. Maybe you know I can't exactly remember how long Lily's been here. I know we've had COVID season. Okay, five years. Okay, so think about five and a half, six years ago. 
who was our who was our coach Dave Brandt, right? So like think about that Riverhounds team, and then think about how far we've come and how much our the club has evolved with the training facilities, with the academy, right? And and so I think when when we have a, a series of bad games, right, when the season ends in a way that we did not quite expect. I think stepping back and kind of taking that larger, longer view saying, okay, we are growing. Okay. We're not getting the results we want. And that's kind of uh, what is unfortunate about the playoff structure that exists in the U S with MLS and and USL, right. Um, That's different than what we're used to in premier league. But if we think over the past five and a half years, five years, okay, this is the progress we're making and where do we want to go from there? And so I think perhaps there are some players who like, you know, someone I think of, right. Like maybe Kenny, right. As much, right. We love Kenny. He was still like, decent for us this season right but maybe it's time for for him to retire so um that didn't exactly answer your question but that's where my mind has been and that's kind of how i've been thinking about the season because it was just so incredibly disappointing um when we lost and like i couldn't think about it honestly i couldn't even listen to the entire last episode that that mongols put out because i just like it was too painful and i couldn't listen i was just like nothing to do with you it was i was like i don't i don't want to think about the river hounds um, so anyway, but, but I think with, with some time, some space and then thinking about, okay, how far we've come, that's a good reminder to me that I'm like, oh, okay. Like we're not doing too bad. Right. We now expect to be in the playoffs and do well. Remember six years ago when we were like, <laughs> please, dear Lord, please may all the chips fall. So we actually make the playoffs. So I'll stop talking, but, but those are my thoughts. No, that's fair. Justin, I'm going to, I'm just going to sort of go around the horn here as I see people. So I don't forget anybody, but where do you, where do you stand on the, you know, bring back a whole bunch of players for stability versus they weren't good enough, replace them with the new crop kind of thought. Um, Yeah, actually it's interesting because Laurel just talked about the last five years. And so I actually was doing some research in the last five years and trying to figure out like kind of where the hounds stand over the last five years. And actually, it's interesting just diving into it. And I'm the numbers guy, so I'll, I'll give the numbers. Um, we're only one of two teams that have made the playoffs for the last five years consecutively in the league. Um, we have the third most points over the last five years in the league uh, with 276. Um, we have the fourth most regular season goals over that stretch with 248. We have the fewest goals against over that same stretch um, with 138. And then our Goal differential because of that is the fourth highest in the league uh, over those last five years over teams teams who have been in the league for the last five years. Um, and so, like when you look at those stats, like kind of the only three other teams that are anywhere close to that are Louisville, Tampa, and Phoenix. Phoenix didn't make the playoffs this past year, um, and and but Louisville and Tampa have made the playoffs. Um, most of the last five years, Tampa didn't five years ago. Um, so it's just interesting, like thinking over the last five years and all the rotation that we've seen. And we do this, we have the same conversation every offseason. Oh my gosh, we lost this player and this player and this player. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How's it going to work? And every year, Bob seems to figure out a way to put the roster together to make the playoffs. And so I like my, my thought has been like, how do you continue to define success for this team? when we've been one of two of the most consistent teams in the league over the last five years. 
And obviously then it comes down to playoff records, right? Those are the things that then matter, I guess. Um, and so if you look over the stretch, those th- three other teams that I mentioned, Louisville City is 11-3 and three in the playoffs over that stretch. Um, they've lost two championship games and they've won one. Tampa Bay is eight and three. They've lost a championship game. And then them and Phoenix had to kind of forfeit that championship game because of COVID. Phoenix is seven and three over that stretch. And again, they lost a championship game and they forfeited. They had to, you know, do that whole thing with COVID. And then Pittsburgh is two and over that stretch. And so obviously I, I, I wonder, like, I don't really care who comes back, but we need to start winning playoff games. Like, that's the thing for me is like, I don't, if it's a whole new crop of players and we go 4-0 in the playoffs and win the championship, great. I don't care that it's a whole new batch of players. If it's the same batch of players and, again, we go 4-0 or 3-1 and even and we lose the championship game, that's okay. It's just, ama- it's just amazing to me, looking over the last five years, the four teams that have been the most consistent, only one of them has won the championship at all. And so I wonder, like, we have this – thing of like can bob even bring us a championship well louisville's the only team that's actually won one uh you know tampa bay and phoenix got their star but they didn't play a championship game so i i just kind of struggle with the idea of like i don't really care how many people come back i think it's up to bob to get a playoff win at this point that is very fascinating um really really good stuff steve where do you stand on all this so I'm digesting a lot of what Justin just said. And I'm like, yeah, but he said it at the end, right? Uh, I, I think the consistency, and I've said this, I think, year after year after year, um, the consistency in the roster is a big reason why I think some of those other teams are progressing farther into the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, I can't know what would have happened, but if we had had a Danny Vitiello in goal at the beginning of the season, we probably would have entered the playoffs in a much better position, potentially playing against weaker opposition a lot earlier and having better chances to make a deeper run because we wouldn't have been losing games or tying games early as we're trying to sort out who's our starting keeper that took us, what, into eight, ten games into the season before Wait even got a run of games to show something off. Right? So I think it's it's those types of things where when we're looking at Kenny Forbes and two other players a year that are getting re-signed or moving beyond a second year. That's the concern for me that um, specific players, sure, there are specific players that I think should stay. There are specific players I think should go, but I think the one-in-one model is starting to get eclipsed in the league at this point. And when we're having to bring in players and rebuild a culture and rebuild uh, consistency and chemistry through a team every other year. That's where I think there's the opportunity for the team to run a little differently and build a roster that uh, actually continues to have that carryover year after year after year. And it doesn't even need to be the best players on the team, right? Like I think some of those guys need to stay. I am okay with some of those guys leaving at times, but it's having that core that's more than just two or three guys three years out. Um, uh, That's where I kind of stand on it that, yeah, I want to see those guys around longer and I want to see longer contracts for the guys that are doing well um, so that we're not rebuilding because we're looking at an off season where if we're not able to compete on the open market for the guys that are in free agency, that's nine out of our first 
14 guys, right, are, are guys that were starting most games. Nine of those guys are up for free agency because we don't have the option year on them. And one of those guys is Kenny Forbes, who's getting up there in age, and maybe he decides to retire. And then we're looking at only a few guys that are locked in starters from this season that are on option year. So it does concern me a bit. Liz, where do you stand on all of this? Sort of play, keep keep the players around and try to build around what we have or do what we got to do and just get the W. I mean, any other year, I would have been firmly on the side of you try to keep the players and you try to build some consistency. I think this year is different for a number of reasons, including the way that our roster was built. It was built around what they thought were key purchases, and then we'll figure out our system. But that doesn't mean that you're a person who can handle Bob Lilly. He's a very distinct kind of coach. He's a rough guy to learn under. Not that people don't understand that they're going to learn. And logically, you can tell yourself, I know this man will help me progress. But if it's not your learning style, and if it beats you down emotionally, it's not healthy for you. You shouldn't be here. Um, it's not good for anybody. You're going to shut down. You're not going to be responsive. It takes away from the culture. Any other year, I think that I would have been, let's try to keep as many people as possible. But this year, I think what I want is for Bob to go back and say, this is the kind of system I want to build. And these are the pieces that fit into that system. Because that's what's worked before, even when we signed players late, is that we're he's building towards a system and he wants yeah, he wants versatility and you have to be able to switch in and out of a couple of different roles. But overarching your first, you know, your first and your second team, they know what kind of football they're playing when they're on the field. I don't think they knew what was going on with some of the subs and where the you they weren't playing the same kind of game because they're not the same kind of players because we didn't build our roster around a system. And I think that was a problem this year. So this year... I don't care if we keep them or we lose them. I just want to see a system be the baseline for how we how we go forward. Josh, same question. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very similar to that. It's, there are players I feel like that are value players that we have that are are great, and I want to see us keep. And some of them aren't on a year uh, option right now, so I want to see some moves to keep certain players. But overall, there's there's not as much of a cohesion this year that I feel like we've had in last year's previous years where it felt like it all came together near the end. And we're like, we were firing all cylinders and then we have to lose all those, you know, connective tissue going into the off season and rebuild it. So it, there's definitely not that cohesion this year. So yeah, I, I, there's a lot of players that might be good players, but don't fit. And it's okay if we lose them, if that means we're building something more cohesive, uh, which yeah, I, I, I'm just tired of Moneyball. <laughs> I don't want to feel like we're like, you know, going to the bargain bin and trying to get the, the best value player for our money. Be like, oh, yeah, this one, the return on investments this much for this player. Like, just get good players. <laughs> like, we don't have to play this game. Um, I, I, I don't think we have to play this game. I feel like we're in a pretty good financial situation. We, we you know, we're growing. We keep on growing. We have great facilities we should be able to get good players and not have to play that game. 
But at the same time, I don't want to see the let's buy a really expensive player like oh, we did no. this year yeah. who didn't produce for whatever reasons. And I think there were probably at least five. I don't know what they all are, but I think there were probably at least five. That's not one thing that, why that didn't work. Um, so I don't want to see us play that kind of money ball either. We're like, well, let's buy someone flashy and see what happens around that because that also doesn't work. No, but Is let's it? keep the players that have been performing well instead of letting them walk like a Rusty Cerrone. Don't want to see him leave like we saw Nico Brett leave. And then we're starting fresh in that position, that kind of thing. Is yeah. It? Yeah. I agree. Is, it, is there a reason why we're not saying Dane Kelly's name? <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to be respectful, not put anyone under the bus here. But yeah, Dane Kelly didn't work out. And like that was a flashy signing. And I mean, he didn't yeah. get on the bus a lot. So, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I just, yeah, that, that bothers me a lot. Not, I, we're never probably going to know the full story about what happened there. But it's, it's a situation where it's like, wow, we, we spent all that money on this player and like it was a big get and just did not utilize and did not perform. I, I have a theory on that, and I want to bring it back up because I'm very interested in your guys' thoughts on this. But, Kev, I wanted to circle it all the way back to you. Now that this question is sort of morphed and transformed and everything else, do you have any additional thoughts as it relates to keep the players and sort of try to build a system around them versus just scrap it and do whatever we need to to win? Yeah, after everything that Justin said, just pff, I don't care. Because <laughs> to me, that means we're great and just keep giving Bob the the control of the bus. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I that was that was the big thing I took away from that. I was surprised to hear like those numbers. Um, I expected worse, but it, but it was contextualized by the rest of by everyone else's conversation of, all right, but yeah, but show me what you do in the playoffs. And, and uh, I would have thought that this group of players, you know, I, a lot of the starting 11 were the same starting 11 that didn't get to play, um, you know, in the first round of the playoffs mm -hmm. last year because of COVID and would have thought that there would have been some, and and well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the the we weren't. I wouldn't say we were particularly young. I wouldn't say we were like old in every position, but we we weren't particularly young either. So there's experience, and you know, we you know, and we, arguably we did well in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I no, I there's there's nothing else to add. There was that was a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, I was trying to take myself off mic and or mute. Jeez, Louise, I'm all over the place tonight. Um. Yeah, so I think what's what's interesting to me, I, I think there's a couple of different things that uh, I sort of take away from everything that was said. I think everything that was said was extremely valid. I think one, there is reality, and then two, there is perception. And when the perception doesn't match up with the reality, then you need to ask yourself why. So yeah, we might be you know one of the top four teams over the past five years, but that doesn't mean that there aren't points of the season where everyone's like, well, this is crummy. Like no one wants to come on and talk about this team because it's miserable. So it's kind of like not the like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing? Because that's very harsh. But I do think that that doesn't mean that you can't ignore the perception or you should ignore the perception of how the team is actually performing, how you actually feel about them right now. Because ultimately what the team is selling is an experience. Like they've sort of made that very clear. And so if the experience is like, eh, which I'm not saying that it 100% is, there were points this season where it definitely felt that way. Um, but that's one piece of it. The other thing is, and, and this is where, Justin, your stats really get 
interesting because um, it totally just messes with my head. But uh, listening to Hounsey, they were sort of talking about which forwards we want back this year. And they sort of talked about Dequa and they talked about Iang. And what's interesting is that I think when Dequa was re-signed heading into this season, a lot of people were like, huh? Like what? He was sort of our backup. Like what is – what? And – I have this weird theory and I want to dig into the stats more, but I get this feeling that, and this is totally just a shot in the dark, but I'm curious to see if you guys agree with this or not. I feel like Bob isn't good at structuring an offense. I think that we've seen year in and year out, he can bring in brand new defenders. He can bring in a brand new keeper and make them look, great and they and they perform great statistically they're sort of in the top five or six of all the teams every single season but at least when it comes to forwards we go out and we sign someone like dean kelly on the hopes that dean kelly is going to be the difference maker and it's a total flop we bring back dequa which i would almost argue you know when you look at the stats dequa is ranked 21 in in across the league in terms of goals scored so this isn't like he's this top goal scorer I think he's a fantastic player, but like he's not a pure Nico Brett. He's not, you know, one of these out and out guys that is going to get you a goal every other game or anything like that. Um, you know, we've we've even had conversations about, you know, when Russ goes in and he's one on one with a keeper, it's almost a sure bet to score. When Diego does the same, you're kind of on the edge of your seat because you're not sure it's actually going to happen. And this isn't a day off Diego, but this is just more or less saying that sometimes when you get to the offense, it's just kind of like throw it, you know, throw something out there and see if it works. We signed Robbie Mertz and we were all like, this is it. This is going to be the savior. Largely because like we knew of Mertz from before, but like could we have brought in somebody else that was on the same level of Robbie Mertz. And I don't know if we would have been as equally ex as excited just because Robbie was here before. So I'm sort of like talking myself around in circles to basically say, I think Bob is really, for years we've said, you know, Bob isn't an offensive coach. And I, I agree that he is more of an all-around coach. I'm just starting to get the sense that when it comes to offense, it's much more of a like throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Whereas defense and keeper, it is very much more of like, this is exactly what I want. And these are the results I'm going to get. Even with guys that, you know, we look at and we, we sort of scoff at by the end of the year, they're, they're studs. Um, I actually don't think, I don't know. I mean, I think sticking with Dane Kelly all season is throwing it at the wall and hoping it sticks. Mm -hmm. I think starting Dequa is trying to control how we attack. I, I think that there was more to the Dane Kelly thing, though, because for half the season, he was still our top-ranked goal scorer for playing six games or whatever it was. So, like, statistically, he was doing great. So there's something else that was going on there. Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. I think symbolically, he's the stick him up front and he'll make magic happen. Or in – I don't know. I don't know. So I guess like him, him not staying with Kelly symbolically to me represents something else. And I understand that there could have been a lot of different reasons why Kelly doesn't start. But I, to me, it, Dequa just always felt like he was doing exactly what Bob wanted him to do. Um, and I don't know. Your question. 
Your thought there, Mike, is interesting. I think, um, like, one of the things that I noticed towards the end of the season as I was doing preview videos and trying to think through things to tip out, um, and this is a thought that never actually came to fruition, but um, towards the end of the season, I looked at one of the things, I like, a stat that I noticed was Kenny Forbes had, like, 146 crosses. Like, if you... I think that was somewhere around the number. The next closest player on the team had like 45. And so I, my struggle is he, you say he doesn't know how to struggle on offense. He has one offensive option, kick the ball out wide to Kenny, have Kenny put it in the box. And that's the, that's, that's the offense that the, that the hounds have at this point. And so that's been my, my issue for the last couple of years is just, I think quick, quick interjection on that point. Do you well, I, presumably they weren't counting corners as crosses because that's the only way I could think about it. I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't so. know. But okay. I, as I watched the next couple of games after I saw that stat, I saw it happening where it would be like Kenny would drift out wide. They would get the ball out to Kenny. He would try to beat a defender on the dribble and get it into the box. That was, that was 90% of our offense right there. And I just, I don't know that that's the most successful way to play soccer in this league. I think five years ago, that was the most successful way to play soccer in the mm-hmm. league. You get a big striker who can out jump everybody mm-hmm. and you throw a bunch of crosses in. And that's why five years ago, guys like Asante and Dos Santos and those guys were heads and tails above the rest of the league and goal scored. I think now you're seeing those shifty number tens, the smaller strikers, the guys who have speed, the guys who can counter the, and I think that's what made the Hounds so successful toward the end of last year was when Dequa and Ciceroni and these guys would get on the counter, all of a sudden you would see goal after goal after goal in the net. And that just never happened this year. It was all slow. And then finally we'd get it out to Kenny and Kenny would put it in the box. And I just, so I just struggle. Yeah. I struggle with the way our offense is structured because I think it's very single single player focused and I that's where I'm wondering can Danny Rivera not hit a cross can Nathan Dos Santos not hit a cross can can none of those guys hit a cross so a ball's coming in from the other side or a ball's coming in from a different player is it all just Kenny you know like is that the only hope we have of scoring goals yeah, hope not because uh, I don't think he's going to be here much longer. So <laughs> it's it's very concerning and kind of going along with what Mike you were originally saying with like sometimes you know the perception doesn't match the reality. I feel like the issue with the Hounds have been you kind of have different extremes that you can go towards for entertainment for this team for any team really, and like one would be just fun to watch and. I don't know the hounds are fun to watch and they're they haven't been and the other one is results like if you're getting results then that's fun (laughs) so and like getting the same result every single playoff is not fun so like they're not fun to watch sometimes they're they're kind of just you know basics defensive team and but they're also not winning everything so it's you kind of gotten meh on both. That's that's kind of the struggle, right? I think if if we did nothing but win, then it's sort of like all sins are forgiven. You want to scrap the whole team and start over every year? Great. You want to play ugly soccer? Great. As long as we know that we're running the table and we're winning everything, super. 
But as soon as that goes out the window, then we as fans have the right to just sort of question what it is that's happening. And I think we touched on this a little bit on the last episode, which feels like it was ages ago. But this whole idea that um, as long as we're still in this this system of constantly swapping out players every single year, then we are beholden on on basically Lily. Where like if we just have to trust that whatever Lily says is going to work, and there isn't an actual like club system, we don't have mm-hmm. uh, sort of like a front office um, director of operations kind of situation where it's like you know you, you look at teams like Louisville or Tampa that are sort of swapping coaches and still having success. If Lily goes, we're hosed. Like that's that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're at, and the more often that we keep just throwing players away every two years and starting over, that's never going to change. And that's not me saying that we should get rid of Lily. That's not me saying that his system isn't working. It's just that, Josh, to your point, if, if we're not running the table, then there are going to be things that we're going to have to start questioning. And so, you know, especially in a situation like this where you start to develop some relationship with guys and all of a sudden you're seeing that they're leaving, maybe it's because they're not getting along with Bob, maybe it's for other reasons, and and the team isn't, uh, you know, making it past the first or second round of the playoffs, then you're going to start questioning why. Uh, And so that's that's sort of where we're at. That's another problem I have with the season is that I don't think that Lily got to be his coaching self because so lily knows that he needs to entertain and part of entertaining is you need to score goals so he's slowly become more offensive and we've all seen that in the beginning of this year we're like we're gonna score a bazillion goals not name name someone said we would never lose they were wrong (laughs) (laughs) but we scored so many goals right and even at that time i think that you guys said our offense doesn't or our defense doesn't look great and Lily's always been a defensive coach, but if we're going to score four goals, it doesn't matter. We're going to handle it. Lily, as a defensive coach, which is perfectly fine and acceptable, went, I'm going to fix my defense, which means he abandons his offense. Mm -hmm. And you can't just live status quo on your offense. And with the way that we developed the team this year, people aren't interchangeable. So we had one crosser. I think part of the reason we were so excited when Mertz came back is because he can move into two or three positions and fill where we see weaknesses on the other team so that we can adapt to teams, which is something we've always been really good at. And something that's very exciting to watch because our team is so, so diverse and you never know exactly what you're going to see on the field. We didn't get that this year. So let Lily be a defensive coach and someone force him to get offensive help. He needs someone who knows how to develop, develop our strikers and, are you know forward mids he needs another person and he needs to he can keep 96 percent of the control but four percent he needs to say okay while i'm fixing the back line while i'm making sure that they're meeting my defensive standards you go talk to them about how to do the crosses how to receive those how to watch out for each other how to be interchangeable so that we can meet the team that comes out on the field our opponent i think that was another problem with this year yeah, I I want to give somebody else a chance to talk, but I do think that talking about that specifically, I, I feel like he sort of got lucky with Dequa um, in that I think the hopes were on Dan Kelly and the fact that Dequa turned out as well as he did was 
we all sort of expected him to be number two or number three on the offensive depth chart coming into this season. That just didn't happen. Justin, I see you feverishly typing away at something, and I feel like you have a whole bunch of stats that's just going to refute everything we just said. No, I'm not trying to refute anything. I, I just wanted to... I, Whatever, I wouldn't believe you anyways. <laughs> I, Shots fired. I just wanted to... I just wanted to... While you were talking about that, I just wanted to look something up, and I was, I was just thinking about something. So... Um, Bob's 2015 Rochester Rhinos team that won the championship. Um, they scored they scored 39 goals in the season and gave up 15 goals in the season. In 2019, when we won the East, uh, we scored 58 goals and gave up 30. And we thought we were really good defensively that year. And so, yeah, but the games played are way different. That's what I was going to ask too. Six, six more six more games um, okay. played in the season. Um, and so I. I it's a different league. You have to score goals. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you have to score goals. Yeah. And so that's what I'm just, I, I agree. I mean, I think we need to go out and figure out the offensive side of the field. And if Bob's not your offensive coach, then, then you've got to figure out how to move forward in that. Something you said, Mike, too, like spurred another thought in my head of, you said like front office and like getting on the same page with the front office and trying to figure out, that actually is what excites me about Jeff Garner is I think like he does that's his vision is he wants the club to be united. And I heard him say kind of somewhere in the season, like there's not enough Riverhounds branding at the Montour complex. Well, if there's, there should be like, that's our training (laughs) facility. That's our Academy facility. There should be Riverhounds branding out there. (laughs) And so, and he like, that was one of the things he was like, as soon as he came in, he noticed that. And he's like, I got to go fix that. And so I think it's just a that's what Louisville has developed over the course of 10 years is now they're seeing some of their academy players coming into the first team, starting for the first team, signing for European clubs, blah, 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 blah. blah. Mm -hmm. So how like over we have not been working on our academy the same way that Louisville has. So can we continue to work on our academy the same way that Louisville has? And can we continue to move players who know have known Bob from the time they're 12 years old till now, and then they can play, you know, play for him. So uh, just two thoughts that I was just like, as you guys were talking, it was just spurring thoughts in my head. My one comment on the Academy um, is I totally agree a hundred percent, but I think that where you have organizations that are successful in moving players from the Academy up to the pro system is when the the style of play at the academy matches what's being mm-hmm. played at the pro system. And if we don't have a style of play at the pro level, because we're constantly changing it based on our personnel, then you're less likely to just have players step in and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Now that, that, that could be a very broad, you know, you look at teams like Barcelona or you look at some of the, the teams in the EPL where you see a little bit of success doing it. It's because of that. That doesn't mean that's the only way that it has to happen. But no, I, I fully agree that sort of putting more stock in the academy and, and you know what, Louisville had two 19 year olds that were playing at the end of the game against us in the playoffs. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely where we want to be. Um, but I, you know, that's also not necessarily going to fix whatever our offensive woes are. Um, so, yeah. Um, Steve, I know you, you had a couple of different points that you want to talk about on this show, and I realize we're already like 45 minutes in. So <laughs> I was throwing out topics so we would have to talk about. Do I want to talk about those things? No. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I do want to emphasize 
in the previous conversation is the league is different. And I, I'm trying to remember back. I don't remember when it was, but I remember distinctly, Mike, at one point, um, you talking about crazy fun times. And uh, and we were asking the question as a group, like, are we beyond the, the 1-0 Lily special? And are we okay with crazy fun times? And then what Liz was talking about, right? Like, we've got to be able to score goals. We've got to be entertaining. Um, and it just makes me wonder if Bob has adapted to the league long term, right? Um, he's still getting results now, obviously, um, because we're still um, getting into the playoffs, though maybe not as well as we'd like anymore. Um, uh, but at what point, yeah, do we start seeing the team take that next step? And that's being it, because I, I think the three of us talked about it a couple of weeks ago, right? Like I was not convinced when we were up to, oh, at 70 minutes that the game was go was locked down. I yeah. wanted a third goal, right? So I'm less convinced when the game is 1-0, and I don't care how good of a defensive coach Bob Lilly can be. The league isn't that same league. And so um, that's why when I talk about building a roster for the future, that's why when I talk about um, who we've got and what positions long-term, um, those things are important because they indicate that we're thinking beyond just what has worked in the past and how do we just recreate that magic to just stay where we are? Because I don't think it's that Bob Lilly can't get it done, but the rest of the league is getting better and are the hounds getting better on a year to year basis. Um, and I, I'm just not convinced that we are, especially when two of the most exciting players that we've seen right? Like the players I've been most excited to see do some different things are loanies from MLS clubs the past two seasons that have come in and lit things up, right? Like those young guys that Justin was talking about at Louisville. It's like, man, these guys are a joy to watch. They're they're young, they're talented, they got a lot of energy, they're willing to take the risks, um, uh, and they're willing to do things that I think don't necessarily fit the methodical uh, create the best chance you can that Bob Lilly has tried to implement with the offense. They're taking risks. They're making risky passes, but they're streaking forward and making those runs and doing a lot of the little passing instead of the, uh, the pass back to reset the offense, right? They're just trying to force something to happen. And we saw that with Kizza hap that happened a couple times, um, especially the one goal against Birmingham in the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, he made that goal happen out of nothing. Um, and that's something that I don't see on a day-to-day -day basis with the Hounds and Bob Lilly's system, whatever that is. Whether it is a system or not, I don't know anymore. Liz is maybe convincing me it's not. <laughs> I mean, I think there is a system. I just think that he's trying to do it all. And with such a firm idea mm -hmm. of what should happen over the entire field, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you can train everybody on the entire field anymore. Like you said, like this, this league has developed, this league has changed. They're going to challenge you in different pieces. So mm -hmm. you've got to be prepared on all of those pieces. You've mm -hmm. got to have creative forwards who aren't just waiting mm -hmm. from a pass from one man. You've got to have, you know, a defensive line that can stand up to the pressure and that can, you know, push forward when they need to, but be a consistent support mm -hmm. as opposed to letting – I mean, we just, we had a lot of breakthroughs that, you know, we let through and we didn't know what to do with that. And I don't feel like the communication was as good for whatever reason this year. And is it because 
I think part of it's because Bob Lilly is pulled in two many directions to try and keep up with the league and he just can't do it all on his own anymore. He needs that support. If we're going to, if he's going to see his vision on the field <laughs> actually happen. And I think it's fine for him to, I think that he knows what he wants to see on the field. And I think that I'm behind what he wants to see on the field. I just don't think that he can bring it about himself. But I mean, at the same time, like if we extend a season to last five years since Lily's been here, we're second or third best team in the league. So like, I, I guess to contextualize all of that, like I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily disagree with that entire conversation, but just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of the, the numbers that Justin put out at the beginning of right. like, like and this is why we can't say Lily out. Cause obviously there are good things, but we're stuck as Laurella pointed out with a totally different playoff system. And if we want to produce in that playoff system, we have to add something to it. This isn't just who's, you know, winning the East, who's winning points, like who's mm -hmm. ending up at the top. We've got to think about the playoffs as well. And that's where things seem to fall apart a little bit. So we need to bring in something else. Mm -hmm. And what, this was our second, our worst, second worst finish in the regular season under Lily. I think his first year we were in the same spot. Is that correct? I think, that's I, think this was, I think this was our worst, actually. I think we was were our worst? Okay. Yeah. I think we were fourth his first season. Okay. Yeah. 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 That doesn't feel good. <laughs> so I'm not convinced of it, Kevin. <laughs> I feel like we're, I, I guess I, man, this was fun in the past. I'm not having fun tonight. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still having fun. I think, I think my whole thing with it is it's starting to feel very Spurs-esque. Like you're going to be in the top wherever you're going to make Champions League. But you're never going to win the Premier League, and you're never going to win the Champions League. And so that's what it's just feeling like to me as far as uh, that I would rather be in a spot like Chelsea where you are like, – Russian oligarchs <laughs> and yachts getting seized. <laughs> no. Hey, hey, we've got, we've no. got American investment capital but, now, baby. <laughs> but in the sense that you might finish seventh one year, but that same year you win the Champions League because – you were there from the previous season. So like, that's my thing of like, I'd, I'd rather almost have a dip somewhere for us to win somewhere else. Like, cool, let's finish in fifth or fourth and get the home playoff game, but then let's run through the playoffs or like whatever it is. I don't care, but like, I'd almost rather just have a dip at some point that sees like we're going somewhere rather than just like, okay, we're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to lose in the first two rounds. Like, yeah, I want to, we got to get beyond that at some point. We, we always do have a dip. It's it's called uh, the U.S. Open Cup. It's, it's fine. We, we we never perform there. Oh, <laughs> I mean, right, but so like, sad. I mean, but to Justin's point, would you rather not make the playoffs and win the Open Cup? I mean, no. winning the Open Cup, yeah. I think that would be maybe. amazing. Take it. <laughs> I would take that deal. Yeah. Right? Okay. So right? maybe that's the thing. I mean, that's sort of the season... That's sort of the season that Sacramento had, right? Like yeah. they were terrible most of the season, got into the playoffs, but they were terrible most of the season, but they ran all the way to the open cup final. So like, could the Hounds do that one year? Would that be more exciting than, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but it would I just. I think that it shows. Hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. We're all asking for that. We see your stats and we're happy, but like, yeah. we want something different. So, hold yeah. on, show, just quick show of hands. And I know this is an audio format. So this is terrible, but if you had the option to swap 
with Sacramento this year. If you would not, let's just say you, you, we would not make the playoffs this year, but we would make it to the U.S. Open Cup final. Would you take that over the season that the Hounds had this year? Show of hands if you would take that. 150%. Yeah, yeah for sure. One, two, three, four. Five. I okay, think so, so. I want to so. win the Open Cup. Can I win the Open Cup? <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. I get into the final of the open because it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Get to the final and care. lose? No, I want the playoffs, please. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I don't the, know. We've had that. The publicity and the good feels that came out of Sacramento, even though they made it to the finals, like, that's, that's everybody was a something. Sacramento fan on that night, right? Exactly. Like, like the whole of USL fandom was rooting for Sacramento. How cool would that be as a Hounds fan? And I think, too, you know, the, the, the team talks about. <laughs> The team talks about they want to produce an experience, right? They want to get people going to the stadium. They want to get people excited about the team. I think there's more than one way to do that. You don't have to win the you don't have to win the USL championship every single season to do that. But you need to figure out some way to get more eyeballs on the team to get people invested so that they're but buying fine, and I, they're going to games. But flip the question, Mike. Would you rather be boring as hell and win the win the league? Like, yeah. I'll take that. I don't. But that was I mean, it. It aligns it, with your personality, Kevin. It's, <laughs> it's part of. There's both, right? There's both, right? There's two ways to get people the seats, and I think Sacramento and Louisville are two of the like sides of the same coin. Louisville is going to get to the championship game every year, even though they only won one in the last five years. They've been there three times and won one. Sacramento has had some. Like and they still both put twelve thousand people in their stadiums every game, so mm -hmm. that's what I'm like. I would rather see twelve thousand people at Highmark, even though we can't fit that. Versus, we'll like, make it work. We'll make. I would some not want to see we will make it work. Twelve thousand people in Highmark. Nobody would ever get food if we had twelve thousand people in that Sorry, stadium. We don't do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Hey. No, I I agree with Justin as well because I mean. I also think about like the negative conversation that we have about, oh my gosh, freaking Louisville every year. Right? I'll take that about the Hounds too. If we're the team that's knocking a team out every year and we're advancing to be in that position to give ourselves a chance to get the championship, I'll take both sides of it. Um, I, yeah, I just, I want something more than just the predictability of we're going to get into the playoffs. And when we face a team that's above us in the table, probably Louisville, we're not going to advance. This all, I mean, not to keep referencing Premier League stuff, but this all feels like conversations I heard Arsenal fans have when they had Arsene Wenger at the home, where they were like, this is just boring. I'm tired of making top four for 20 years. And I think with Arteta coming in, all of them feel vindicated now. But I think that's a, that's a roll of a dice where it could equally, if not more likely, go the other way too, where you make a change and you're languishing at the bottom half of the table for you a while. You could get Arteta or you can get a Steven Gerrard. Like <laughs> <laughs> well you weren't really doing I mean you weren't you weren't doing what but anyway so that's the kind of point if like are we are we collectively as a as a fan base willing to potentially risk uncertainty and take a big step back for a couple years and stay there for a bit or it, while also risking a possibility of taking a big step forward. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think, I don't, are you saying Lily, are you asking about a Lily out situation? No, I'm, I, I guess in the context of the conversation of this is all getting a little bit boring kind of thing of like, okay. give me something. I, I, to me, metaphorically that gets attached to Lily. Like if Lily's here, we get that. 
I don't know if that I'm not saying I'm not necessarily saying that's you know, but in my mind that's the connection. So in order to remove that, you remove Lily, and then the void that gets filled in with is an uncertainty that so it could take. I'm not I'm not in for that uncertainty. Hard yeah. Be because I was the one that said that. I, I I agree to a sense, but I think it's that's why I've advocated for something else with the organization of a director of football or restructuring how we do the contract. Right? It's not just lily or not in my mind it's something has to change but when it's just i feel like i start to get to attach to the players i start to get to know the players and then they're gone right like it's that without the progression in the playoffs without knowing if we're going to re-sign some of our best players this year um that's where it is for me and it's just i want more i, I want something different Kev, I think I think my answer to your question from my perspective is we'll find out in 2023. I think that we've had what four or five years of Lily. If we get yet another year of the same thing where we're seeing completely scrambled roster, we're seeing uh, you know, a bunch of games where we're throwing stuff away or there's no clear I don't even say no clear game plan offensively, but it's more of the just like hopes and prayers, chuck the ball up and maybe something will happen. And then we get to the playoffs and we're out wait, for the second me, round. Then I'm going to say, yes, I'm willing to gamble me, on something new, even if that means we don't make the playoffs because mm -hmm. it's something new. We're not, we're but, not, we're not moving forward. But let me tweak your scenario. I mean, I was, as someone pointed out, yes, this is, this is the worst year that Lily's had as far as like finishing in the table. So let's say likely we don't finish the same table, uh, like position in the table next year. Let's say we finish second and we go out second round of the playoffs and we play some good foot and we play some good football. We create some good memories. We have some good games. We finish second and we go out in the second round of the playoffs. That like, where, where are you there? Because to me that feels like the essentially like par for the course since Lily's been here. All right, but to make it completely fair, where did we end up in the Open Cup? And <laughs> do we have? Well, because like I think that's part of the equation for us. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. And did we have the kind of like for me this season? I knew the players' names, and like eventually I could find them on the field because it takes me a while because I'm not good at that thing. But I didn't feel attached to anyone, and I definitely felt like there was a ton of underperformance and that nothing was meshing. So am I watching another season where I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really attached to these players for the first time ever watching the team. I was like, I know who they are, but I don't feel attached because I don't know what's happening. It is. It I is think that's a question too. I, 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 think, and I think it's really important. Yeah. I, that's yeah. I, I'd love to do a show. Maybe we'll do a show in this off season that sort of explores this more, but it's, I think there's this question of what makes people a Hounds fan or what brings people to Highmark Stadium. And I think that there's, we, we've touched on sort of what brings people to Highmark Stadium before, but I think there's a few things that might make people a Hounds fan. And it could be, you know, you're just sort of diehard for the organization. So it doesn't matter what players are going to be here. You're always going to support this team regardless of how good or bad or whatever they are. And there's a small subset of people that are going to fall into that category. You have sort of the casual fans that are going to show up whenever the team's winning because they see that it's in the news. And so they just want to come out and see what all the, the fuss is about. You're going to have the people that 
they they develop a, a sort of a personal relationship or sort of an emotional attachment with some of the players. And so they're going to come out for that reason. And once those players are gone, then you start to question, you know, how dedicated you are to the team. Um, but there's a number of these different scenarios that I think would be really interesting. And this is why I keep coming back in my mind to like documentary, docu-series, things like that, because I think to a certain extent, they hone in on a number of those things. You want an and Amazon they, Prime special for the house? I'm just yeah, saying. Are you, are you proposing I'm, a documentary? Are you going to direct this? It would be awesome. But like, I, I think <laughs> that... Do you want the, Ryan Reynolds to buy the Hounds, Mike? Is that what you want? We've, we've already had this conversation. Ryan Reynolds would never buy the Hounds because there's no chance of pro-rel, and so there's no story there. But um, that was a little too serious of a response. Um, anyway, <laughs> that was just me saying I'd love to sort of revisit this at some other point. Um, we're, we're like running at, we're almost at an hour, but I want to I wanna ask all of you, because we're all here, what is one thing you are hoping to see this off season. And it could be anything from something related to off the field, on the field, uh, front office related, academy related, not even related to the hounds. Just what is one thing you are hoping to see this off season? Laura Ellen, you were looking extremely pensive with your like thinking man, head on your head on your fist. So I'll start with you. What is one thing you're hoping to see this off season? Um, I was, I, I had an initial thought and then I realized that it wouldn't ever happen. So I was trying to think practically, I think, I think having a more cohesive, this is our, right. It's like the cradle to grave thing, right? Like, these this is our academy and this is how our academy supports the community and trains great footballers and connects them to opportunities whether that be through playing at the collegiate level or i suppose you know just for the for the men connecting them to playing for the first team right like i think i'd really like to see cohesiveness across all of that or more of that. Um, and I and I would love to see more community engagement. And I think that's been happening over the last couple of years. I know COVID has uh, made that a bit more challenging and I'm not really, I'm not on the social medias and so I don't really see all the things, but, but I think that's, you know, just more of a, we are a community club, right? And this is how we are supporting not only our first team, but the development of the game um, and engagement with our community. I think that's what I'd like to see. Okay. Justin? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty similar kind of vague thought of like, what is the continuity plan at the club to continue to sustain success? Um, and so I don't know that I really have anything specifically to this off season of like, I definitely want to see this before the end of, you know, before the first ball gets kicked in 2023. Um, I don't know that it's that. I think one of the most interesting storylines to me at the club right now is Dan Visser. And I don't know what the plan is with him. I know that there has been talk that he has, been prepped for coaching interviews and all that kind of stuff, but he's been around for six years now. And so I just wonder when you start in, 
And you can look around the academy and see guys like Rob Vincent, Kevin Kerr, Jason Cutney, who have been around a long time. And so what's the plan? How are those guys moving in the organization? Are they continually moving up? Are they continually developing? Um, and like, what's the thought process behind those guys um, going forward? So I don't know that I have anything specific to this offseason. I'd love to see some good signings and things like that. Players who we actually know their name ahead of time. I'd love to see some of our guys back. But I don't have anything really, real specific to this offseason. That's fair. Steve? So I think um, finding a way to re-sign the players that have been here uh, two contracts um, and, and I'll qualify that as well. Some of those contracts being things that are more than a one in one, right? Whether that's a two or year contract or a three year contract or bringing in a player and offering them uh, a one year contract with a two year option or something like that, right? Something that is just different and shows that there's a more long term player retention mindset as opposed to we're just going to see what happens and if we lose our best players in two years because they get better offers elsewhere we'll start again fair liz i guess um i guess i want to see them use the new training facility like preseason starts so early now um you know we'll have christmas and then people could start showing up at literally any moment after that to start doing preseason stuff so mm -hmm. i want to see them start using the facility to get the guys just having fun to start off with where you know you have the space and you have the the fields and you have some of the older academy kids and testing yourself and testing ideas and and watching them build relationships that aren't completely dependent on we need to know who at least you know 11 or 14 of our guys are so that we can start scrimmaging um, I want to see a little bit more of that and the relationships they can build. Okay. Josh? Yeah. Um, I th it's not really play related. I think it's more just a, a maturity level, kind of like a professionalism boost as far as the marketing in the front office and like just feeling like we leveled up because I feel like we're, we're on that cusp right now. And it would be great to actually see like a cohesive marketing strategy where you're actually seeing like, you know, packages put together for player signings, not just some, you know, random press release that comes out to five people in who are signed up to the uh, emails and it kind of just getting trickled out through like Pittsburgh soccer now and, you know, Twitter. Like I, I want to actually feel like there's a little bit more just pomp and circumstance to these signings, to these announcements, to just everything. And it feel cohesive with a, a, a brand identity and that kind of stuff. Like just, I wanted to feel more mature than what we have. Are we going to have Twitter by the, <laughs> the Sorry, sorry. I, I, I meant Mastodon or, or Hive or Pose. I don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> just yeah. something. I mean, it's got to still be copy and paste or else we lose Pittsburgh soccer now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh in a lot of ways just what josh said but just in different words um i yeah just consistency in the kind of backroom staff um and just ensuring that uh bob has abundant off the field resources made available to him um i'm not necessarily interested in him making sure he has 
the biggest war chest in USL history to sign players, but making sure that, you know, he has all the help he needs. I think um, I'll sort of close it out here. I think that what I am most hoping for this offseason is just for the team to surprise me in some way. Do, do something that's going to surprise me. So it's fire, Bob. Is that going to surprise no, 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 you? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, that would, but that's not what I'm Game getting at. What I'm, telegram. what I'm getting at is, you know, do something that is, that is going to drag me out of this malaise of, you know, the past few seasons where it's either. I don't think the hounds are going to do that, Mike. No, I think that's a broader societal no, no, thing. No, that's no but like, look, look, we mentioned, we mentioned a number of things on here that could be interesting, right? You start to incorporate Dan Vister more. You, um, it could be something related to the stadium where they announce, you know, actual stadium expansion. It could be, okay, we're going to bring in some new players that, uh, um, that show signs of a whole new approach to how we're going to do this thing. Like something that I'm going to look at, I'm not just going to be like, oh, this is plug and play new players. Same thing as last year. the training facility not do that for you? No, the training facility does, but to me that is, we knew that's been coming. It was delayed in opening. Now it's, oh, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I think it's amazing. We talked about it last time we got together. I think it's a fantastic facility, but it's just like, surprise me surprising yeah it's not surprising. it's not surprising like surprise me in some way and it could be you know it could be what you guys said about how they release information about players great it could be some new tv deal it could be anything really it could be a new kit sponsor i don't know whatever but like something that's that's showing me that this isn't just going to be the same old same old again in 2023 and so we're gonna be back here two games after the playoffs are over and we've been knocked out by louisville again and we're going well now what guys so just hope hope is what i want and right now i'm sweet of it so if anyone at the rubber hounds organization would like mike's address i'll give it to you and you can go visit him they they and, know how to find me. No no. Mike, worries. what would you Dear do? Found you. <laughs> what if, Mike, what would you do if like Bob Lilly showed up at your door and is like, "All right, let's have a let's have a conversation." Listen, no joke. I well, first of all, I'd be like, "What?" But um, <laughs> I have nothing against Bob personally. Like we've talked to him a number of times. I think Bob is a is a great guy. Do I agree with some of his coaching stuff? Not always, but that's part of that's part of what we do here. Like we are not the hounds front office. We're not going to sit here and applaud every single decision that's made. We're like fans. And we're, if we just said that we love every single thing that we do, then we're not being true to what the fans are actually thinking. So sure. You know, I, I joked about how it would be great to like follow one of the players around as they go through a day at the new training facility. It'd be, well, I was going to say, it'd be great to like sit down and have a beer with Bob and film that, but you'd be there for four days. And so like, <laughs> be, like great content, you know, you'd have to just like pull out little nuggets here and there. So um, we're back to the documentary that you're going to That's film. right. We're back to the, <laughs> in one interview that would have to be like an eight episode docu-series. Um, <laughs> Not a problem. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, listen, I think closing thought you know i i'm still a massive fan of this club uh it's our it's our local team i think we all are nobody's saying that they aren't um i think we're all sort of excited to see what happens next the the, the whole title of this episode was sort of looking back and looking forward i think we're in this weird in-between spot 
where we're trying to figure out like what is this team moving forward it might be exactly the same thing as it was last year it might be something different but we don't know and we won't really know until we start signing players and we start getting press releases and that typically doesn't happen until december ish so we'll see what happens over the next few weeks and i'm sure there's gonna be other topics that we'll get together and discuss um i think laura ellen maybe it was you that had put there's a podcast from npr that you want to talk about there's epl that we could talk about so i think we're going to start scheduling some sort of in between episodes where we can talk about premier league and why are you giving me that look what, what is i didn't sign like? up for additional things i signed <laughs> up for this thing I will say, because the World Cup is happening right now, um, there is a podcast on NPR called The Last Cup, and it's it gives a lot of context to Messi and his relationship with Argentina and what it may be like for him experiencing this last World Cup. So I, the episodes are really short, I would, and it's in English and Spanish. So uh, I, I would encourage, I've really, really been enjoying it. And as someone who's been to Argentina twice, who has followed Messi for a very long time, I'm learning a lot. Um, so anyway, that's my shameless plug for that. Awesome. Quick last question. What is the youngest Rhinos player that Bob coached and should we sign him next season? <laughs> <laughs> I yes. think we're out. I think there's no it's, more. Yes. There's, are we done? I think so. All right. Well, there goes my bright idea. There's a ball boy, surely. <laughs> surely, surely. Surely. Somebody oh my gosh. save us. The fact that we, we're still... we haven't had a, a riverhound rhino come back yet, have we? Like leave and come back. Todd Kratzner. Uh, does does Mertz oh, no. count? We no. Mertz yeah. count? Yeah, I'm saying. No, because Mertz wasn't a, a rhino. Todd Pratzner. Yeah, yeah Todd Pratzner. Right. Todd Pratzner. Yeah, we need yeah. Pratzner. <laughs> good, good call, Justin. Man, I forgot about that dude. I, is he retired? <laughs> I don't know where Todd Pratzner is. <laughs> Why not? He answered the question objectively. Yeah. He's Wait, right. Now we're well, 15 you minutes in and you've ruined the show. Oh. <laughs> I think I think Todd Pratzer is as good a place as any to end this one. So <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to we, we said we got to do some like crazy, not even crazy, just like different mixes of people this offseason just to sort of get some different thoughts and different topics and things. So look forward to that. We might just literally have like a hat that I'll just like randomly draw names out of. And I'll be like, oh, it's you three this week. Let's go. Um, and so uh, great with scheduling. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, but yeah, otherwise, everybody have fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we look forward to all the news that, that comes out. Um, enjoy the World Cup if you're uh, if you're partaking and uh, we will talk to you all very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. Later.